Hi, this is Kevin Eastman, co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and co-creator of the new series Drawing Blood. You're listening to me on Canned Air. Everyone and welcome to another episode of Candare, a tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. And joining us today, we have quite a few guests on the show today. Yeah, we do. And I, I love having a full house, yeah. so it makes it that much better. Uh, first, joining us, Richard Rivera of Stabity Bunny uh, fame. We've had him on the show, good friend of the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, Stabity seems to be taking off. And uh, Richard, say. yeah, Richard is joined uh, by James Hake of Scout Comics. I want to welcome you both. Thanks for being with us, guys. Hey, glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us, man. We're going to be talking fictional magic and magicians in this week's Retro Roundtable, which I think everybody can probably think up uh, quite a few of. I, I know they were flowing out the end of my pen oh, when I started know. writing them down, but I think that'll be uh, really fun. Then we're going to turn our attention over to Richard and James and talk about the magic that is behind Stabity Bunny. See what I did there? Hey. Oh, you Quality see what I did? Segue. That was yeah, nice. yeah, yeah, pulled yeah, the yeah. rabbit out of the hat. Yeah, Incredible. <laughs> and at the end of the episode, we're going to be turning our attention over to Nate Staniforth, who is a uh, magician. Uh, you probably know him from the Discovery Channel show Breaking Magic, or if you've probably seen him on tour doing his act. He has a new book coming out, Here is Real Magic, A Magician's Search for Wonder in the Modern World. comes out January 16th. So we'll be talking to him a little bit about that and uh, his magic career. That is a guy totally dedicated to his craft. You got mm-hmm. that right. You got that right. But before we dig into all this goodness, Jake, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again, that time of week when I tell you to do the same thing I've been telling you week after week. By now, I'm, I'm a little disappointed you haven't yet. So head on over to Twitter. Check us out at CannedAirPod. And then when you're done, go to Instagram. Find us at Canned underscore Air. We got so much fun stuff for you, for your enjoyment. We're doing it for you. We ask so little in return. Just follow, retweet, enjoy us. Well Validate said, the effort. Well said. <laughs> and don't forget to go over to our Patreon page. Uh, check out what we have going on there. Uh, there's a lot of rewards for people who decide to back this uh, little, I always refer to it as a shanty podcast. I need to come up with a better adjective, I guess, for it. But Let's call it up and coming. Up and coming, yes. Yeah. But we've been able to uh, actually put our first few Patreon dollars to work and become sure have. Candare Productions LLC. We are a small business now, officially, nice. gentlemen. You, like you guys that? made us official, so yeah. thank you. Thank you That's so awesome. much. And uh, we want to see more support, get more patrons good. joining the Candare Nation. So head over to Can- or excuse me, head over to patreon.com forward slash Pod. I want to be patronized. <laughs> yeah, don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> all right, with that behind us, let's just dig right into this week's Retro Roundtable. And here we go. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Fictional magic and magicians. Where do we begin? I'm going to do the thing I almost always do where I say something like, well, let me get this one out of the way. And <laughs> let's get Doctor Strange out of the way. Can yeah, you do that? Because oh, I feel like. the one I thought you would pick. In, no, in terms of pop culture, he's like a big major spellcaster type of guy right now. So. Yeah. He's like the Batman. Did of the I take category. the wind out of your sails? No, not at all. Okay. He was last on my list, but he was on my <laughs> okay. list for sure. No. Uh, what about you, Richard? Well, I have to go with somebody else that will also be taken off the list here. But I, I just really, especially the Walt Simonson little uh, Doctor Fate 
uh, backups and the. Uh, you know, I was going to mention Doctor Fate. Uh, because I'm magic, but uh, <laughs> I think I just really love those stories and uh, and really the character has always been intriguing. I, I think he, I think it's pretty obvious that the characters had some ups and some downs, and he he, uh, he or she or they are, uh, you know, or, or the entity known as. I've <laughs> um, gone through a lot of changes, but that costume, for me, really held up. I have to say, though, full disclosure, I am a fan of the thin heads from uh, the, the Golden Age, so there you go. It's There's the something special about that style. It's, it's very evocative <laughs> of something like ancient and heroic, you know? I have no idea what the hell you're all talking about. Well, then you why don't, don't you Dr. keep Fate? down? Because the big kids Fate? are talking right now. <laughs> no, what is Doctor Fate? Uh, it's kind of a, kind of like a Doctor Strange-esque sort of Strange-esque sort of figure, yeah. and then it's this supreme magician. Which, if I'm not mistaken, maybe the most recent or second to most recent iteration, it's like a man and a woman who sort of fuse essences to become Doctor Fate, which is this kind of astral entity in this flowing golden armor and has a really distinctive helmet. Where does this exist? In it's the, DC. Yeah, yeah, it's like DC's. DC. Yeah. Well, wow. the, 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 the base, the, the consistent basis of Dr. Fate is that he is a lord of order, that he that his, um, his the magical entity, his focal point, the, the artifact that contains his essence is the golden helmet. And then there's also an amulet, and those those things have, as far as I know, remained fairly consistent. I need I need to look him up. I I don't know how this has eluded me for so long. <laughs> I didn't know much about him until watching Justice League Unlimited. He had a little bit of an arc going in that one, and I learned a lot about him then. Man, I, I loved know a Unlimited lot, back in the day. Yeah, it, it was, was a, a good hell one. Of a show. Mm, that was also a Bruce Tim production, right? Yeah, yeah, I think I so. think it was. So it's same style for certain. Very cool. What about you, James? I'm going to go with uh, Tim Hunter from Books of Magic. Which was written by uh, Neil Gaiman originally, Ooh, and if you look at him, Tim Tim Hunter looks an awful lot like Harry Potter. And this book <laughs> came out before Harry Potter, uh, but it's you know they it was a miniseries originally, I believe three issues, prestige format back in the mid '90s or early '90s, and then uh, it was one of the Vertigo, one a very long lasting Vertigo title. Did that have the, was that like where? He was fated to become this incredibly powerful magician, and it was kind of like your retro, you know, fate again. But your destiny is kind of like yeah. shaping what's happening to you now. And do, you, do you remember? I mean, he looks like Harry Potter. Oh, absolutely. He's a young boy with black hair with the circle rim glasses. I mean, it's. But yeah, I remember reading something about it where Neil Gaiman went on record saying it's a separate character. He doesn't care. So he was the creator. So he really didn't. I think it was just him being super nice because it seems very coincidental. Very coincidental. But I would say him. And uh, if you guys want a really good story with magic, I typically haven't been a huge DC magic guy, but uh, I just read Injustice. And uh, it, I believe it was year three, volume one, that uh, Tom Taylor, the writer, just does a phenomenal job of taking someone who's not all these characters that honestly I wasn't really familiar with and just does an amazing job of uh, presenting them and making you like, because there's a whole bunch of magic people at once. So I would recommend that to you guys and to any of the listeners out there. It's fantastic. Right on. I'm still reeling on the Harry Potter thing you said. Now, <laughs> that's, I believe 
That's Do the same story that you she... get stuck in a Google hole. <laughs> well, yeah, I, she came under fire some time ago. I remember about mm-hmm. being having ripped someone off. That has to be the same story. It's yeah, so just, cr- what I would do is type t- type books of magic, Tim Hunter, and then go to you know Google and then t- look at images, and I'll show you the covers, and you're, you'll be like, wow, I, it's pretty. Uh, it's That's pretty so crazy. Close. It, yeah. But it's always cool to see the uh, the original, per, you know, the person who came up with the idea be cool about it. I mean, they know it's yeah. not a cool thing Got to do. It. It's never cool to rip someone sure. off. But they're like, <laughs> eh, you know, I still made it. I remember uh, the same thing happened with uh, with Tom Petty uh, when the Red Hot Chili Peppers put out Danny California. It was a straight up rip off mm. of oh, yeah, Mary Jane's Last yeah. Dance. And he was just like, yeah. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> they're different yeah. songs. So what? You know, there's only so many different notes you exactly. can put in the same order. Right, so. right, right. I forgot all about that man. He was a ripoff, wasn't he? Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Jack, what do you got? Gargamel. Nice. Ooh, <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> Even though his stuff never really worked, but I, if I were Gargamel, <laughs> I would go for a brand of magic where all the ingredients don't require Smurfs, especially as he's bad at catching them. You know, <laughs> yeah. like maybe try the occult or something. Dude, <laughs> that would be like me becoming a wizard whose power is based off running. <laughs> I'm just not fucking going anywhere. Oh my god. Gargamel, that's a good choice yeah. though. I would have never thought of that. Never would have thought of that. Um one that I have on my list here is uh Zatanna from Batman. Oh dude. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I had the biggest crush on Zatanna. Oh, who doesn't? Ah, yeah. I mean, like who powerless. I remember seeing an interview with Kevin Smith where he said that was like one of his big comic crushes and I was like, Yes, I'm vindicated. I'm yeah. not a weirdo. <laughs> I just, uh, I remember in the, uh, I believe it was in the animated series, or either that, or I remember it from a comic, but wasn't she and her father, like, very important in uh, Bruce Wayne's training to become Batman? I feel like, like, he was kind of put in some, like, Harry Houdini kind of traps and situations to oh, be wow. forced to get out of by uh, by them. And I think feel like she wanted him to stay with her and... Maybe learn the family practice. But he's like, no, I gotta go. But yeah, she was always a cool character. She's I cool. Always enjoyed that. Yeah, it's yeah. a cool costume because it's a dorky costume. You know, it's very stage magician and it's but, very sexy too. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But like, yeah, yeah. It works, you know, <laughs> you're like, yeah, fuck yeah. She's got the top hat and the waistcoat. You know, yeah, whatever. for sure. Small pants. <laughs> I have to really quick before we move on. Um, I was telling Kyle today, who uh, has been on the show several times, some of our loyal listeners might know, uh, that we were doing this category today, and his offering was Bob Ross. <laughs> There's a true sorcerer. Because yeah. that dude is a fucking magician, yeah. if I've ever seen one. <laughs> Happy little strokes turned into trees. Incredible. <laughs> anyway. May I throw one more in there? Throw it in. It's your Is, turn anyway. Go oh, ahead. cool. All right. I don't know if we were winding down. Now, like, my favorite kind of oh, magic yeah, right. in a setting is magic that's, like, hard to pull off. Stuff that's weird and ancient and, like, not super prevalent. You know, like, wizards shooting lightning, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But I love, like, weird occult stuff. Duh. It's the only thing I talk about on this show. So, like, one of my favorite fictional magicians got to be John Constantine. Uh, I knew you were going there. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. 
just because, like, he's so aware of and done with this shit. He's like, yeah, no, all right, let's do it. Let's summon Beelzebul, the Lord of Flies, and parlay for this medallion full of soul. You know, it's just so run-of-the-mill to him at this point, but he's toying with these dark powers. I think that's so cool. It's never easy for him to do it either. No, no, it takes a little something from him every time he does, and I think that's awesome. I should watch that. I need to watch it. Always read the comics. I All actually right. I haven't seen the show. The show is good. That's yeah, I need to I make hear a time. lot of good about both the yeah. comics and the show. Yeah, but very cool. Does anybody else have an offering to the magicians list here? I got one. I've never seen the movie. I've only ever seen bits and pieces of it. But uh, Mary Poppins, y'all. Oh, oh shit. yeah, you get, <laughs> that's some magic. That's a special <laughs> kind of magic. <laughs> that is some magic that you just wonder where does this come from? Like, is she, so is Mary Poppins a witch? Then I mean, how I is think she? she's in league with Satan. <laughs> I think Watching every children. other fifth child she cares for, she sacrifices. It, it, in, in fact, the uh, the song was originally called "Just a Spoonful of Satan." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but that didn't play well. So you know, Disney had its hands in it. So. Oh man, I know what's closing this episode. <laughs> <laughs> just crudely patching just a spoonful Satan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she can, she just she can fly. She's going up the banister backwards, conjuring all these cartoonish yeah. things, dancing and singing. We're not calling her a witch, but if she had been in a particular part of New England at a particular time, she may have burned at the stake. I'm sure that right before she was saving the banks there, she was probably naked in the woods and worshiping <laughs> a fire, <laughs> dancing with goats. <laughs> She's got cleaned up before she came like, to the house. It's like two two prequel pages, and and then she's she's doing all that, and she just got through with the ritualized blood sacrifice, and <laughs> and, and and deer guts are hanging from her mouth, and she's oh time to go to work. Deer go back and puts on the prim outfit. Oh, the sacrament so is complete. I'm a bride of the fallen one now. <laughs> 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 oh my god, this is going to some dark place I love it, I love it This is awesome, but the clock is we looking at me on, Like, yeah. we gotta yeah. get going But this has been fun, man That was that turned out way more fun We, need a, we need a part two I do want to ask Richard and James, though If they have any more uh, contributions to that category Before we move on Clarion the Witch Boy I don't know that one character. Yeah, that's a good one And wow. Hellblazer, John Constantine Well, they just talked about And uh, who else? I know we said that one There was I'm trying to think of that Injustice book that I mentioned earlier. Who else did they do that was amazing? That's another thing I hear a lot of good stuff yeah, about on this show is Injustice. Injustice was very Oh, it's fantastic, cool. guys. Highly, highly recommend it. That Tom Taylor is something else, man. And I think he's writing X-Men Red. Um, that's the new book that he's, uh, I believe that's coming out in a month or two. But he went over to Marvel. And, yeah, Injustice is fantastic. I, I don't know any other magic characters that I can think of. Hey, I, I shouldn't even have spoke, because after just a spoonful of Satan, I was out. Yeah. <laughs> That's your high note, Richard. Yeah. You walk hey. out on that one. Drop the mic and turned around and walked away. And we're spent. <laughs> very cool, very cool. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, we will have to revisit that yeah, one yeah. Uh, again soon, because that was far too short. Uh, but before we move on, uh, something showed up today in the mail, gentlemen. Oh, boy. Oh, another oh. package from Adult Swim. Interesting. And in it was this oh, boy. dog, stuffed dog with nipples. It's a it's a it's a pull string <laughs> talking dog from the show Hot Streets that's going to be premiering Sunday, January 14th at midnight. And as I understand, that's partially starring Justin Roiland. I was going to say that name Is sounded like, familiar, yeah. yeah well, that's the like eyes make a lot line. more sense now. Yeah. Like, they look very Rick and In Morty. In fact, I think he's the dog. 
Is he really? He is, yeah. Well, let me pull the string here, as CD says. Oh, that is so That's Justin yeah. Royal. No mistake. <laughs> oh, that is so him. Yeah. Who knows what the hell he's saying, but we don't have to. Thank you, Adult Swim, for sending that. It's going to be a nice little addition to the studio here. But Adult Swim's like that that aunt who lives out of the country or something, but she always just sends you the nicest Christmas yeah, gifts. Yeah, yeah. You, like always you feel bad because you never say thank you in person, but you know they're out there. Not, yeah. the, pink, not the pink onesie right. bunny no, suit. No, that's a different kind stuff. of aunt. <laughs> <laughs> this is an entirely different analogy. But yeah, we just got this before we started recording, so we haven't had time to get on the website and actually check it out yet before we talked about it. But uh, it's Justin Roiland, people. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you like Rick and Morty, you're going to like this. I know yep. I'm setting my DVR for hot streets sunday january 14th at midnight don't forget people i think i saw a little the pilot of it i think and it was it was pretty good yeah i would just from the commercial i saw i was already on board yeah. like all right you got me <laughs> you i haven't seen it's... anything this was the first so it's been a while it's since i've fun. seen that too i thought it was already on but maybe not all right well very cool well with that let's just turn our attention over to richard and james and talk about stabity bunny and where it's gone and uh, what where it's been up to since we've last checked in with you, Richard. I think that was episode, what, 200 last time we talked to you? I believe I it was. was. Yeah. yeah. How the time um, flies. I know. I, and I already reserved my spot for 300 and for 500. And if you don't have me on episode 1,000, there will be Satan to pay. So <laughs> all I have to say about that. Spoonful of Satan. But, uh, guys, it has been... Uh, just so many amazing things. I, I just to, uh, you know, here I am stammering, but it's, it's just like every day there is something. It's like, what's going to be awesome today? But to roll that back when the, uh, you know, first of all, you guys have always uh, been there for the money and um, always really appreciated being on the, on the podcast and everything. And I, um, you know, it's taken everybody that's helped along the way. I really appreciate it, and you guys are an important part of that as well. But I have to say that when Scout announced at San Diego Comic Con they were going to be uh, publishing Stabity Bunny, uh, you know, we started getting some buzz then, and I was still kind of, um, you know, I, I'm really appreciative. My friend here, James Haight, he he's a writer creator of Solar Flare, and he can tell you about that just a little better than I could. But he joined with Scout first, and then he was just having such a great time with that fantastic team. I mean, I met some of them, several different conventions, and, you know, the whole crew was just fantastic. So I was happy to be uh, uh, chosen to be in their lineup. And then we had, and um, we were in the November offering for issue one. And, uh, again... You know, it's all the it's all the, the people that help help everything come together. Because I had friends that were going around with the posters that I made and talking to the stores, and um, you know, we were doing mailings and sending packages and sending emails and everything we could do to try to get those numbers up. And uh, wow, you know, we were super thrilled. We are the best selling Scout title ever. Wow, and, uh, really? Yeah, and. Uh, you know, and, and I'll say to date because that that way, you know, when when somebody else when 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 the new when the new uh, gunslinger comes into town, you know, I'd be like, you know, that'll be great too. But for this brief and shining moment, anyway, we're uh, we're the bestseller. And uh, issue two orders came in, and they were 
very strong. Normally expect you know a really huge drop off from one to two, and we did not have that. Um, just the buzz we've had, uh, you know, uh, comics heating up, and uh, even comics invest recently, and we have uh, some really fantastic covers being done by uh, the Brain Trust, and they, the the um, uh, Al Garza did did a cover as well as. Uh, Ryan Kincaid, and I forget the other people as we go forward here. Those two are for the number one and number two, respectively. There's a Donnie Darko uh, uh, homage done, and there was a uh, the Amazing and Garza did the Amazing Spider-Man 300. Um, so wow. that looks fantastic. Um, I've I seen say, some you know, of those covers on your website. Mm-hmm. They looked amazing. Yeah, they just they're fantastic. And let me tell you. They're going to do one for all for the first six issues, and they are all incredible. This 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 cover collection just you know lined up side by side is stellar. They've got um, there's a uh, one I can't even really talk about yet, and a couple of <laughs> the, others that the are new mutants one is fantastic. Oh, the new mutants one. Oh yeah, that was amazing. The new mutants one is 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 uh, from New Mutants, I think nineteen mm-hmm. for the Spirit Bear cover. And, uh, yeah, that's the one uh, I saw. Yeah, that's fantastic. And then uh, uh, Sinkevich, uh, I think it's Danny Kidwell, mm-hmm. if I've got the name wrong. I, but Danny Kidwell did the artwork on that. And he sent it to Bill Sinkevich. And Sinkevich was like, oh, my God, what have I done? And then he said, and then he followed it up with, more importantly, what have you done? And he said, besides make my day. And we thought that was the highlight of the day. And then later on, uh, he said, and I'm paraphrasing, but I think I'm pretty close to the quote. Bilson Kevitt said, if you can't get behind a title like Stabity Bunny, then you're dead inside. Then you're just dead inside. <laughs> strong words. Yes, strong, strong words. But, you know, to even have, uh, you know, someone who I idolize, whose art is just so mesmerizing. It's so, you know, when he was... When, when I first saw the new, new Mutant art, the um, the Electra miniseries, all that. I mean, it's just endless. You know, the covers, everything. I was just, you know, so drawn to his artwork. And just to even have him type Stabby Bunny at all, you know, it's like, okay, I'm out. Job done. Call, take me up, Lord. Or more likely, <laughs> call me down, Lord Satan. But, <laughs> but uh, no, it's, it's, it's been... Fantastic, and uh, you know eBay has gone absolutely insane. Yeah, so we've um, seen. Yeah. My God. Yeah, the uh, you know and and the issues sold out everywhere, um, and people are already reselling issue one and issue two. Issue one comes out tomorrow. We already got you know people pre-selling issue two on eBay. You want to know what, fellas? I, I think you kids can probably agree. I've known Richard now for a little over two years, and it couldn't happen to a nicer guy in hard work. Oh, my so this God, is like, seriously. I mean, this is this is fantastic. I, I haven't seen a guy work this hard, and again, he'd give you the shirt off his back. So, I mean, this is a good day, and it's crazy. I'm, um, I'm in charge of the Scout Web Store now. I've become uh, the sales and marketing director there, and the, nor- the orders that are coming in before it has even come out are just... Insane. That's what we're doing tonight. We're filling these orders because we want to make sure people get Stabity Bunny as soon as possible. So I got the shipment today from our printer, and we're shipping them out. I shipped some today, and we're shipping the rest of them out by tomorrow. 
And it just, I mean, this is before it's even hit the stand. So I expect that number that Richard was saying earlier, I expect it to go up. And uh, yeah, it's hopefully the, uh, what, is it, what do they say about tides? High tides raise all ships. And right. uh, Scout's on to something. There's some amazing titles that your listeners and everybody, they're really starting to, uh, they're starting to, to, to find out. And the books that we're associated with, like Stabity and Solar Flare and Mindbender and Heavenly Blues, it's a great team to be on. And I'm glad that Richard's on the team. I'm glad to be a part of the team. And just be on the lookout for 2018. I think it's going to be much better than 2017 was. It was already amazing. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of big news. And, uh, again, Stabity success can it happen to a nicer guy in my opinion. Oh, man, thanks. Oh, without a doubt. it's It's been fun to watch this become successful for Richard. I mean... There's one thing that we've gathered from, you know, not only hanging out with Richard for that whole weekend at the con, but having him on the show is you don't find someone as dedicated to comics <laughs> as Richard. Mm-hmm. It's I, hard not to argue that with we've that. seen. And uh, mm-hmm. it's just a very kind of inspiring thing. You know, it makes you want to be into which, you know, like in our case, makes me want to be a better podcaster, you know, dedicate mm-hmm. myself more to it. It's the little comic. Just do what, you, do what you love. Be a nice person. Yeah, and success will happen. It might not happen when you think it should happen, but it will happen. Just keep at it. And again, he's a talented writer, and that's what makes it even better. Absolutely, you know, is that it, uh, you guys haven't seen it yet, but be be on the lookout. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but he has another book coming out called Shadow Play with Clara Meath, mm-hmm. and uh, she was the valedictorian at uh, Savannah School of Art and Design. It was the first valedictorian for sequential art, and they've been working on this book, Shadow Play. Um, for quite a while and it's it's incredible so I think that's going to be just as big of a hit as Stabity is so um, and the next thing you know he's going to probably leave us all and go start writing the magic people like Doctor Strange and, uh, <laughs> and Dr. Fate. oh nice nice segue yes. nice. bringing it back around bringing it back around now, Shadowplay, I also want to mention Alex Lobato who is co-creator of Shadowplay as well oh and Alex is great, another great talented guy, guy. yeah yeah Al- we know Alex he is mm-hmm. very uh, talented for sure I think you can rest assured there, James, because I was talking to Richard not long ago, I think maybe shortly before the deal came together, and he was he's a scout comic kind of guy. He he was seeming like you guys are the place to be, and it's where he wanted to be. So uh, I don't think he's going anywhere. I see the stars have aligned on this. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and I, I just, again, being part of that team, it's a good team of people, man, and uh, I just think when you have hard workers and people who think alike and talent, I mean, that's hard to keep down. So I really think it's going to be a good year. And, and guys, something that we have on the, I mean, the Scout Comics, uh, scoutcomics.com and the web store there, we did a uh, Scout Comics Presents number one, and it has seven different titles, four-page previews that really give you a nice feel for those titles, and that is free. So yeah, It's you can a 32-page comic, it's free, or you can download the PDF. And if you order... Any Stabby Bunny number one or Solar Flare number one or any issues on scoutcomics.com slash store. We will throw in a free uh, free hard copy of that as well. But, of course, you can just go there and uh, download the PDF for free and gives you a little taste of some of the best titles. Another exciting thing that Scout has going on is that uh, James's other book, The Mall, is actually going to be in free comic book day. So oh, really? Scout's first free comic book day release uh, so that's going to get, like, mad, crazy exposure. You know, it's going to be out there. Oh, for uh, sure. The series is 
is just great. Um, and as a matter of fact, it will be uh, it, it'll be having a, a, a graced with a cover by Stabity Covers by uh, Dwayne Biddix, who you might remember from Stabity Bunny. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Dwayne's yeah. doing uh, in the the Nagel style. You remember the popular '80s artist Nagel did the Duran Duran covers. So we're doing. Uh, for every issue of the mall, because it takes place in the 80s at the height of the indoor mall popularity. And uh, there's going to be a uh, John Hughes cover, and then there's going to be a gangster movie cover back from the How 80s. Cool. Oh, right. How cool. So uh, the, the free comic book day is a um, tribute to Pretty in Pink movie poster. And then issue one is going to be The Breakfast Club and Goodfellas. Oh, so, so I co-wrote... Cool. This, uh, this comic with Don Hanfield, who's a fantastic guy. He actually is the writer and producer of History Channel's Nightfall, and he uh, helped write and produce The Founder uh, with Michael Keaton about the founder of McDonald's. Oh, my mm. God. I am in love with that movie. I oh, love it's fantastic. That. I remember you talking about it. Back of a talent, and uh, again, big things for that property. Just It's, it's awesome. Um, again, we, we work very well together as a team. And it's just a lot of good things in store. So check that out. Be sure to look at that. Grab it at, you know, go to support your local comic shop on uh, first, I would believe, May 5th. Yeah. First Saturday of the... Of the and, and, and hey, here, you know, Mr. Mr. Team Player, let's talk a little bit about Solar Flare. Come on, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's my baby. Solar Flare is my passion project. We do it in season, six-issue uh, six season format. Okay. And uh, we're at season two, and issue number three of season two, which is also issue nine, came out last week. And before we get buried in all those numbers, tell us a little bit about what is Solar Flare. Ah, Solar Flare, real quick. Concept is a solar flare hits and it wipes out all electricity like an EMP. It's all based on real science. It's something that happened before and very likely to happen again. (laughs) And our main character of our story, Jake, like I said, when we first saw just like you, Jake, oh, right. uh, he has to travel, make a journey from Florida to uh, Tennessee to reunite with his daughter as society, as you can imagine, unravels when there's no power. So uh, every season takes place in the city they're in as they make their journey up the state. Um, it's, you know, in a different city. So the first season is called uh, Fort Myers. We have the trade and individual issues for sale. And the second season is Port Charlotte, which is just north. Uh, Fort Myers, and yeah, it's I'm going to interrupt you here because I, I don't want us to go past the Fort Myers. Fort Myers, of course, uh, was hit by the the hurricane there, the big Irma, uh-huh. right. and um, and James took the first five, uh, first six issues. He made a trade paperback. There's a special cover on it, and all of the profits are going to hurricane relief charities to help people in the area. Yeah, we're taking 15 of the $20, uh, which is the profit on the book, to go to uh, the Lee County uh, United Way and the Harry Chapin Food Bank of, uh, of Fort Myers. So we're doing that, and how I'm doing that is I'm just collecting wow. the sales of every month and then posting. Because, you know, you hear all these people say charities before. Is it really going to charities? Well, I'm taking screenshots of my PayPal, <laughs> you know, minus the account number, of course. And donating to both of those charities. So it's a cause that we did. We had a, the a talented Ben Bishop, who uh, has done a book called The Aggregate, which is a, a split decision comic where you choose, like, kind of like choose your own adventure, like those old yeah. books. Yeah. And he's done a lot of work with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and he's doing this uh, drawing blood with That's Kevin. how yeah, I know that. Yes, and uh, he's one of the nicest guys. We've become very close friends, and he was uh, cool enough to donate the, the special cover. 
but yeah, if you guys check it out, it's available on my web store, uh, solarflarecomic.com slash store or the Scouts Comics website as well. But it's a little, you know, give back because we were devastated here. I mean, there was people that were without power two weeks. I mean, like a lot of areas. And it was just a nice way to give back. And I mean, it's called Fort Myers. So what a better right. way than... You know, made a lot of sense. But yeah, thanks for saying that, Richard. I, yeah, I, I always like to put that. It's just like me. I mean, I was just like blathering on. I'm sure, uh, I'm not even sure that, that anything I said was coherent. I'm like, Stephanie, buddy, blah, 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 stop <laughs> But uh, hopefully some of it made some sense. But, um, you know, I, I don't want to get uh, get away from the podcast without, again, thanking Dwayne Biddick for his amazing artwork. And he was the visual designer for Stabity Bunny. And, you know, he, uh, I'm really happy that we get to talk back and forth for every one of these first for him. Cause he's, he had done some uh, books that had been in diamond before, but you know, it's like, wow, did you see what that number one sold for? Is that a first one? He's like, yep. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, the, the numbers that we're doing again, you know, that's just, you know, he, I'm just so happy to have him be part of the success as well. He's a heck of a talent guy. I'm sure you should. Sure. He's just amazing. And I think, um, yeah, I think he's going to go to work with uh, some of the big publishers here any day now because he's amazing. Not that he needs it with the success of Stabity Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> All the stuff that he's done. If, he's if, if he, hey, listen, if he either works, works through that chain or is willing to chew his leg off, then he deserves to go on and, you know, do some other stuff. Absolutely. It is so awesome to, um, again, watch, you know, you you grow, Richard. But it's also awesome to see you uh, come together with Scout Comics and uh, watch you guys help each other. I'm excited to see, uh, you know, where it goes from here. And I would also like to, uh, James, if you'd be up to it sometime, get you back on the show to dig more into uh, Scout Comics and uh, find out what they're all about. I'd love to uh, learn more and uh, tell our listeners a lot more about Scout Comics, if at all possible. But, Another uh, great guy with Scout, just to, in closing, we want to drop the JTP, as Richard and I say. It's uh, James Pruitt. He's our publisher. <laughs> he's our friend. He's a great guy. want to give him a shout-out because we know he'll listen because he listens to everything that we're on. We say he's obsessed with us, but, uh, you know, between <laughs> Richard and I, we go JTP all the way. JTP. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, you guys know it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I don't mean to cut this short, if, um, but I have to go. My beautiful wife is home. No but problem. Thank you so much for having me again, Richard. Again, it's fantastic the success of Stabby Bunny. And uh, anytime you guys want me back, just let me know. But uh, absolutely, and appreciate meeting you. I appreciate having me on. No, anytime. And uh, thank you. Uh, you know, for, I want to learn more about Solar Flare. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. as well. Check so. it out anytime, guys. Send me your email address, man. I'll send you some uh, PDFs. Absolutely. Awesome. Cool. We will do that. Richard right, James, great. thanks so much, and congrats no to both problem. of you. No problem. I'll talk to you guys soon. Richard, I'll see you in a bit. Yeah, guys. Well, really appreciate it, as always. Um, I have to say, you know, I don't want to get other podcasts jealous, but if I had to choose a favorite, it's you guys. Oh, I admit it. man. This guy here, he knows how to make it. <laughs> it's really okay. Good, we feel he? the same way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no arrogance here. No. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, thanks so much again, and congrats to you, my friend. Thank you very much, and uh, hopefully, like I said, remember me for for uh, podcast three hundred. <laughs> you oh, are, you're you're already it. there. <laughs> yep. The velvet rope is over your chair, sir. All right, thank you. 
And now joining us from the Discovery Channel show, Breaking Magic. And if you haven't seen him there, you've probably seen him out on tour doing his act. Magician and writer, Nate Stanifer. Thanks so much for being with us, Nate. Sure. Thanks for having me on. And I'm excited to have you here. One, to have a magician on the show. We've been uh, kind of talking about that for a while. There's a few people we had in mind, but... I don't know. Uh, we were kind of afraid to approach them. Like, they wouldn't want to be on our show. But it's just You've made the right choice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we knew when the time was right, the ideal candidate would present themselves. We'll see if he can make more downloads appear. Go, Ooh, yeah. that'd be some real magic right there. But we're also going to be talking with uh, Nate about his book. Here is the real, ma- or excuse me, here is real magic: a magician's search for wonder in the modern world, which I'm also excited to talk about. But uh, how did you get into magic to begin with, man? Yeah, it was an accident. Uh, I I read The Lord of the Rings. I think I was probably nine when I read it. And this was before the movies came out. But you remember that scene at the beginning where Gandalf does the magic at the fireworks and oh, everyone runs yes. away? So, yeah. So I wanted to be that guy on the playground. I wanted to learn how to do the firework trick. Because when you're, th- you know, when you're nine, you're you're maybe old enough to get through those books, but you're young enough to still hold out hope that maybe if you go to the adult section of the library, you'll find a book of spells there. And so I, yes. <laughs> so that's I I went looking for for a book of actual magic, and instead I found this this book of sleight of hand, and and it just captivated me. I, I made the jump very quickly to. You know, if I can't learn real magic, as long as other people think I'm doing real magic, that's that's pretty good. And I just loved it. It's something that uh, has always intrigued me. And anytime I see a magician, I am always you know captivated by it. I, I've got a watch, and I'm always trying to dissect it. And I most of the time can't do it successfully. Yeah, it's too hard. <laughs> and you know, it's it's funny. I've often thought when I when I see a magician performing their act, there's a person who really wanted to be a wizard at some point. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But here in reality, we've got to settle for the next best thing. And I'm glad to hear that I wasn't too off the mark in assuming that. No, you nailed it. But, But here's the amazing thing, or at least this was my experience. Learning that it's all sleight of hand doesn't actually make it less amazing because you are then presented with a different mystery. You do magic for people, and you know. Like, I, you know, I did magic... For, for for an audience for the first time when I was nine and I knew it was just a coin trick I was just a little kid who had practiced this coin trick like I showed it to my friends at school and they didn't know they were watching a magic trick they just saw something disappear so they started like screaming and running away and the teacher saw it and she started like you, you get these responses from people that are to such an extent greater than the sum of the very modest parts that, that created those moments. And, and, and you start to marvel at how something so small and fragile and frail as a magic trick can, can deliver this cataclysmic you know, shock right. of, of awe and wonder. And like that, to me, is, is as amazing as anything. It must be incredibly gratifying to have sort of that level of mastery over people's perception. To be able to challenge somebody's reality. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you have no idea. And and imagine as a little kid doing that. You know, I had moved to a new school, and it's it's tough to be a kid, and especially when you don't know anybody. And I— Learning how to do magic felt like an actual miracle for me because suddenly I wasn't just a new kid, and I wasn't just— you know, on my own, I had the ability to make anyone really like parents, friends, siblings, like a good magician can just sort of 
shock people into paying attention. And, and that is an incredibly empowering thing as a young, young kid. And, you know, hearing you use the term magician, it's, it's something I've always wondered, and it might be kind of a silly question, but when it comes to terminology, is that the preferred term? Do most people prefer illusionist or something? That's to what that I was kind of wondering, because sometimes you'll say magician. Oh, no, I'm an illusionist. Right. And you don't oh, want to give offense because this is right. someone who's dedicated their life to a craft. But Right. Here's here's my take on it. I don't think the name's going to save you. If you have a great <laughs> show, does you can call yourself whatever you want. And, and if you don't have a great show, putting the right title in front of your name is not not going to convince anyone that you're better than you are. So I I have embraced the term magician because because uh, I know that on stage I can do it. And so it, I, I don't care. But I think I think some people get hung up on the terminology for the wrong reason. Not to mention, it just sounds cool. It, Come on. It's got a very mysterious sound to it. <laughs> <laughs> Illusionist makes it seem like it's fake. Like you're not I really guess. seeing it, but magic, it's it's real. It's yeah. Right funny, yeah. That's right. I'm a magician. I, when I when I travel inter- internationally, I love being able to write that on my customs forms because you always get <laughs> really stern look because they want to know if you're messing with them. But <laughs> Like you're about to pull something off on <laughs> Right. <laughs> Now, your magic has been uh, described as magic that appeals to the imagination and intellect of the audience, uh, more more than just pulling rabbits out of hats and the typical tricks you see. How would you describe your magic? Yeah, so I, I love the experience of magic. I love the experience of astonishment and wonder, but I really um, don't like sort of the, the trappings of show business that have been dumped on magic in the past you know, what is it, 200 years. Uh, so on stage, I don't tell jokes. I don't have music. I, you know, I have one goal with with my show, and it's just to deliver that sense of what the hell is going on. You know, that, right. that it's sort of like it. If, if good shows feel more like skydiving than they do a night at the comedy club. And because I love like that to me is one of the greatest experiences about being alive. And you can find it anywhere. You can find it in music or movies or basketball or poetry or barbecue or, you know, like people find everybody's got something that that sort of wakes you up and turns you on and reminds you that you're alive and it's good to be alive. And and for some reason, I found a way to tap into that with with magic tricks. And and listen, when magic's bad, it's worse than anything. But when it's good, it can give you an experience that that can be very hard to find elsewhere. And and so that's what I'm interested in. Right. Everything else is just wrapping paper. Like I, I, I just want that experience of of astonishment over and over and over again. Spoken like a true entertainer. Oh, sure. That's, that's awesome. Very high risk, high reward sort of deal, you know, because I imagine it, it, the audience <sighs> isn't always perfectly compliant. You've got to crack some tough nuts here and there i'm sure yeah i don't i can't relate at all to the you know some people talk about how they love being on stage and and they love being a performer and and they really thrive on that and i'm not that at all i'm i i sort of became a performer because i i had to but um yeah when you're up in front of a tough audience it's far more like a bar fight or or like being a, a boxing ring than it is uh anything that you would choose to do recreationally. So your book, uh, Here is Real Magic, A Magician's Search for Wonder in the Modern World, which is coming out January 16th, I'm very curious about. This not only is cataloging your uh, journey 
through magic, but also kind of looking at a time where you were losing interest in your craft. That's, that's, I was really intrigued by that. Well, here's, here's where I was coming from. If we're honest, nobody really cares about magic tricks, but everybody cares about wonder. And, and, you know, I think every profession you know, maybe looks from the outside like it has some sort of glamour or allure, but all of that conceals a, a very grinding day-to-day reality within. And that's probably too true for many jobs. But but when you're a magician, that carries a special risk because you get into magic because you love that that spark and that sense of wonder. And when that dies, you don't have anything. And so, you know, I started... Look, I hit Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours of dedicated practice the summer I turned 22. And I, I, from a very young age, have just worked my ass off as a magician. And I started touring right out of college. And after, you know, I was 26 and I'd been on the road. That, that was my fifth year of, of just living out of a suitcase, traveling all, all over, doing show after show after show after show. And I just became burnt out and, and disillusioned by that process. For, for being a magician, there was very little in my life that I would describe as magical. And there was one night where I thought, uh, this is ridiculous. Like, uh, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And I actually walked off on stage. I just sort of stopped in the middle of the show and said, good night, I'm done. And, oh, wow. Uh, I went back to the hotel and... You know, one of the things about going on tour is that, like, you can only play so much Angry Birds, right? So you end up going through <laughs> going through a lot of books. And just because the universe is a mysterious place and sometimes amazing things happen, on that leg of the tour, I happened to be reading this book about traditional Indian street magic. Because India has a tradition of magic that goes back thousands of years. And, and I just, like, I went back to the hotel and I started reading and I thought, wait, wait, maybe I should maybe I should stop touring in the U.S. and maybe I should go on this crazy adventure and, and find a way to forget everything I know about professional magic and, and dream it all up again. And so the book, is, the book isn't really about magic tricks. It's about wonder and disillusionment and then fighting and searching to find it again once it has gone. It's incredible. I, I have kind of dealt with that in my myself you know i've always played music for most of my life and as soon as we started this podcast that really went on hold and i've never really quite uh coped with that i guess or dealt with that it's still always in the back of my mind i want to find that spark for that again at some point and uh, bring music back into my life but uh, that it just spoke to me that part of the, the book there uh, another yeah. thing though you mentioned in uh going to india and I, I read in the press release, it said that you traveled to India in search of real magic, uh, like many magicians had before. And I'm just very curious what that uh, means exactly. What is uh, considered real magic? Well, so so I was, this was my experience. So if you can just imagine, let's use music as an example. Every culture in the world has its own tradition of music. And so as a musician, you could travel anywhere and probably find some sort of meaning by exploring their their tradition of music. So I thought I was going into India to speak with and find snake charmers, street performers, mis- you know, like I, I wanted to find the magicians of India and be amazed by them. And I did, you know, I found all of those people and they were amazing. 
But the discovery for me was that the process of traveling through India and immersing myself in a world so different from my own, like that was far more amazing of getting truly, truly lost and then living with that and, and, um, trying to make it work like the the adventure was far more magical than the actual magic and and i love that uh, you know you know i think now having done that i realize that i probably didn't have to go to india you can find that <laughs> that sense anywhere but um but that's what it took for me to sort of to, to come to see that in a way that mattered to me that's extra it seems like through that experience you can really tap into a kind of universal language it seems like everybody experiences amazement in essentially the same way, regardless of who's giving them that experience. You know, I, I can see the appeal of wanting to to find out how it works elsewhere and bring a little element of that here. Yeah, very much so. You know, the most incredible thing would happen to me there because I, I, I would do magic for people, not because I wanted to do a show, but because I discovered that as a magician, you can fall very quickly through the sort of surface level um, cultural veneer of a place and, and really land in the in the, the sort of local day-to-day -day experience. Like you do magic for someone and like they'd invite me over for tea or drag me down the street so I could show their friend who worked at a restaurant and then I'd do magic at the restaurant and someone would invite me over for dinner. You know, it's like once once something impossible happens, you're no longer just a tourist. Like you're you're sort of pulled within the culture. And and I realized very quickly that one of the things that's very special about magic is it doesn't matter if you're young or old or rich or poor. You know, you could be a, a sheep herder in Tibet or a taxi driver in Texas. Everyone everywhere responds to magic in the same way. It's like this sort of universal, like you said, like a universal language. And you know, when you mention, you know, people taking you around to show to their friends, inviting you over for tea, which is incredible. Yeah, it I, is. I wonder, really cool. is, it, is it just a difference in culture? That's what's expected when someone does something interesting for you? Or, or do you think maybe there's less cynicism, perhaps, in the audience there than there would be here? People more willing to be sort of taken in by it? I think I think this is actually what's going on. I think that you know, for all of like, look, I will admit that magicians can be and um, still are in many ways ridiculous. But one one cool thing about magic is that. So I sort of think you know, there's that John Lennon line about putting on. It's either John Lennon or T. S. Eliot. He might have stolen it from T. S. Eliot. But but the line about putting on the face to meet the faces that you meet, you know, like we're all sort of performing for each other all the time. Well, you know, like the clothes you wear, the words you choose, the way you carry yourself, we are all sort of broadcasting the way we want the world to see us. And, and one of the just incredible things about a moment that feels impossible is it makes all of that fall away. Um, you, you know, once, once, the coin disappears or the elephant disappears on stage or some guy floats off the street. You can't, you're not trying to be cool anymore. You're just not, you're not being anything. You're just sort of, you're, you're brought unexpectedly back to the present moment. And for a moment, that's all you've got. And that is a deeply powerful experience. And so, you know, my, my take on what happened in India is that 
when that happens, it's a real, it's a, it's a way to bond with the people that, that are around you. It reminded me of performing magic at cocktail parties here in the U.S., where you do magic for one you know, group at the bar, and they'll be so amazed by it that they you know, take you by the hand and guide you across the room and say, hey, hey, John, you've got to see this. Show them that thing with the card. And, and, and you end up sort of being introduced to everyone in the party just by starting at one table and letting it spiderweb from there. And so... Yeah, sorry, I I could talk about this for hours, but I don't and know how interesting. <laughs> oh Seems like you could uh, get about anything you want in life if you're a magician. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> it is. I will say this. I do think everyone should learn one great piece of magic. You just need one. And as an as as someone who's not a professional magician, you all will have this tremendous advantage because when I whenever I do magic, people can just write it off as a magic trick because they know that I'm a magician and magicians do tricks. And so of course I know how to do amazing things. But if you knew one truly great piece of magic, I promise you, you would see a side of humanity that is normally kept very hidden in private. And it that to me is the greatest part about being a magician. Um, I like the shows. I like designing magic. But the best part is this sort of window that I get into the experience of people watching magic. And, and uh, it's really a beautiful thing. I just love that re- your reason for being in magic. Sure. It's very genuine, just very pure, very, it's right. You know, yeah. It's the right reason to be an entertainer. It, it seems like the same sort of ideology or, or, or goal that guides great performers of every medium. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone talks about chasing the experience. You know? The best comedians don't talk about how much money they make. The greatest actors want to get into their character. I would say it's safe to say, at least based on what we're hearing, great magicians, they're looking for that experience too. Yeah, I mean, let's let's just be clear. Applause is great. Like, I love standing up. <laughs> I, I certainly like that side of it too. But I do think... Like going on tour sounds cool until like that's your life. And then it's just a lot of waking up at three in the morning and going to bed at midnight and doing that a hundred days a year. And so if, if, if all <laughs> you're in it, if, if the only reason you're doing that is to get people to clap for you, you're just, <laughs> you're not going to make it. Like that's, that is not enough to keep going. Right. I am uh, really excited. I'm hoping to get to see you. It looks like you're going to be coming to our neck of the woods here uh, in February 21st here at the Drexel Theater in town. Yeah, I'm excited for that. That's going to be a fun night. Yeah, I am too. I I think think I'm going to go. Count us among the number. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Okay, very good. But um, uh, your book, again, the real reason we're here, I'm sorry, (laughs) Here is Real Magic. Is there anything else you want the audience uh, to know about this book before we uh, cut you loose? No, no, they should, you know, they should all buy it. They don't have to read it, but just buy it. (laughs) (laughs) Use it as a paperweight if you want. Yeah, yeah, do whatever. whatever No, that was a joke. There was a a period of silence that followed that I was not comfortable with. That was a joke. Read the book. (laughs) But, uh, okay, man, I just want to thank you again, uh, Nate Staniforth, for being on the show here with us. Uh, What's your website? It's just natestaniforth.com, is that right? natestaniforth.com, yeah. Wonderful. Um, Easy enough. Yeah, we'll put that up on the website. What about Twitter? Are you on Twitter at all? Uh, I am. I I aspire to tweet more often than I do. <laughs> Don't uh, it's hard. But, but here's, I'm, I'm really excited about Instagram. I just started Instagramming. So oh, okay. um, it's just Nate Staniforth all together on Instagram if you're there. 
Wonderful. And Guys, uh, I'm honored to be part of the show. Thank you very much. Oh, we're honored to have you on. Uh, one more quick thing, and maybe you, maybe there's a no for this uh, question I'm about to drop on you, but is there any kind of trick you can uh, pull on us without us being able to see you? Is there anything you can... Uh... Oh, interesting question. Oh, man, it's amazing that you asked that because I'm working on it right now. So get this. So before television, there is this whole genre of magic that was done over the radio like the first seriously yeah like broadcast magic before television was on the radio and and magicians would perform in such a way that even if you were just listening it would still amaze you and it's you know as soon as tv hit everyone assumed that magic had to be a visual medium but i I've been exploring this, and I, I love this idea. So I, I'm not ready now, but have me on again in a year, and I'll, I'll have a show ready that I can just do you know, over the podcast. I am down for yeah. that. That would be amazing. Yeah, Listeners would go crazy for that. that. Yeah, oh, I'm, yeah, we will definitely If I can figure that. it out, it's going to be cool. Oh, I have, I have faith in you. Well, keep us posted. Yeah, for sure. Great. Nate, thanks so much for being on the show, man. Thank you very much. All right, everyone. So there it is, our interview with Nate Staniforth, magician. That was so freaking cool. Absolutely and I cannot was. wait to get him back on the show uh, if he can figure out that radio magic. I'm eager How to cool see what he's going to bring to the table, yeah. That would be such a hit, not only with us, but with the listeners. I'd just be thrilled to do If we didn't even record it, I'd be like, yay! I'd love to have <laughs> an audio recording of my mind being blown. That'd be the best. <laughs> you just splice in a nice sound effect. <laughs> Hopefully it would work out that any listener would be able to... T- participate and then it would work oh, sure. yeah. home yeah exactly us, so. well it should I mean that's yeah, the I whole purpose yeah it should that would be amazing but yeah check him out uh, at his website natestaniforth.com and uh, I think he just mentioned he's also on uh, uh, Instagram pretty yes. heavily yeah, so yeah. Uh, a couple places there and again January 16th here is real magic a magician's search for wonder in the modern world I'm sure it's going to be available Amazon all your all your different uh, safe bet. book depositories wherever you get your ebooks or hard copy books you should be able to find it Watch for him on tour, too. He's going to be all oh, yes. over the states this year. Yeah, sure is. For people here in Columbus, Ohio, where we are, February 21st at the Drexel, come on. Can Dare and the Magician uh, are both <laughs> going to be there, though we're not on the bill. We're just going to be in the audience kind of watching. It'll be a night of magic. Yeah, it is going to be a night of magic. I'm excited. <laughs> I've never been to like a live magic show. Uh-uh. I've only been to one. In Las Vegas, so I well, feel that's like one that, more than us. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me a better person. I was say, you so think you're better than us now? I do. Okay. <laughs> and don't forget to check out everything that's going on with Richard Rivera and James Hake over at Scout Comics. The unbelievable success of Stabity Bunny mm-hmm. uh, and the recent sign on with Scout Comics is just they, they're complimenting each other very well. I feel like yeah. there's an Energizer Bunny joke to be made in here somewhere, <laughs> and then yeah. it just keeps marching on. But. All jokes aside, it is like really cool to see you know doing this podcast it is our dream to you know do this as our as our main career as our job as is the dream of everyone we have on this show and to watch somebody achieve you know the success they've been striving for yeah, really. is beyond like, hey, it's amazing possible. it yeah. is yeah that's exactly it. it's not only cool to see for that person that we know but it is also inspiring like, yeah just keep to what you're doing and do it the best you can, right? Damn right. But uh, yeah, head, head over to stabbitybunny.com. You can find him on uh, Twitter at stabbitybunny and head to scoutcomics.com as well. Check them out on Twitter at scoutcomics. And uh, again, don't forget, January 14th at midnight on Adult Swim, Hot Streets, 
uh, that Justin Roiland in it. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm talking to you guys, I'm realizing that's that's uh, that's that sells it to me. That's mm-hmm. all it takes. I think I'm in. Yeah. I'm just lost in the dead, unblinking eyes of this dog figure that uh, Adult Swim sent us. Looks pretty damn evil. He's looking it? right at me. The way you propped so him up on the nipples. desk. Well, Don't that's most dogs it. have six nipples? He, <laughs> not this one. <laughs> okay. He looks kind of intimidating until you see the nipples on your... Oh, okay. And you're like, oh, I've caught him at an inconvenient moment. <laughs> it's not the other way around. <laughs> well, with that behind us, Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to cannedairpodcast.com where you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media, see the Hall of Heroes, and take a look at the Wall of Justice. See some of our YouTube videos. Uh, go to our Patreon page and patronize us. <laughs> go to the Society6.com page and get some merch. Take a gander at our special guest page and see some of the fine guests that we've had on. Indeed. Indeed. And while you're at it, why not follow us on Twitter at CandarePod and Instagram at Canned underscore Air. There it is. There it is. In a nice little package oh, for at you at home. And um, I don't think I've got much of anything... To add, this has been a hell of a fun episode. It sure has. I will say that much. A busy one. Yeah, yeah kind of a yeah, and, and <laughs> us getting back into the flow of the somewhat the normal f- uh, format. Yeah, it seems yeah. like right. So we're getting there anyway, piece by piece. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pandering now. So without anything else to say, I am Jeremy Colley, Jack Doherty, Jake Runyon. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Oh, you heard it here, folks. It's one thing to break a window, but it's another to blame Simple Billy. You should be inside listening to the Candare podcast. What about the window? I guess you shouldn't have broke it. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! And Shreve. One, two, one, two, <laughs> Shreve. I was watching. That was a weird start, but I approve. <laughs> Glad I could help. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on!